I'm your host, Aaron Olson, and I am joined tonight by Andy Magnus. He is the author of Ultra Mental, an unconventional approach to training for endurance events on a few hours a week or less. Andy, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. Hey, Andy, yeah, it's great to talk to you. Andy is in New Zealand, and we connected, uh, I, I got an email from Andy a few weeks ago, and he has a similar approach to what I write about in my book, Low Mileage Running, and we thought it'd be a great idea to connect on Skype and, and get this out there as a podcast. So Andy, tell me a little bit about uh, your book, Ultra Mental, and how did you get started with uh, even writing this book, and what made you want to write it in the first place? Uh, so, so the writing of the book kind of came after about five years of experimenting on my own with with low volume training for endurance um, I had been struggling similarly to how uh, you know what you talk about in your book um, with you know not, not only injuries from training uh, using high volume for for endurance stuff but also just in terms of finding the the balance between work and life and you know, having real challenges with with you know having a full-time job and you know paying enough attention I had a young family at the time a young son um, had had was living over here in New Zealand at the time and trying to train for a big 10-day adventure race and it was just it was just really uh, starting to damage relationships and things like that and I found that that I couldn't really let go of my ambitions I still had these ambitions to do these massive races um, and conventional wisdom was telling me I had to be willing to devote you know 10 20 hours a week to training um, and I thought man maybe there's going to be another way and so I just started training harder and I found a, a you're probably familiar with first running have you heard of first running the yeah, Furman yes. Institute of, yeah yep. um, and, and, and so in my initial exploration I found something by these guys and so I kind of took a program that they had uh, and modified it um, for multi-sport stuff and man I just I got faster I got fitter than I ever had been training, uh, you know, many more hours, and so I was hooked. and And so, as I continued to explore this, I continued to work more and more with high intensity, and and, um, and I just found that I was able. I have a twin brother, which is a a, a great thing for a for a, a n equals one kind of experiment because he was he was on this professional adventure racing team and he was training ten twenty hours a week, and I was training three or less hours a week. And we'd get together and we'd race these big races, and I was able to keep up or, you know, match or exceed his performance. So I thought, man, this is really incredible. Um, and so I did a bunch of research, and and as I continued to race and do well, you know, in my age group, I could certainly be fitter if I trained like a professional athlete. But I was really impressed with how I was able to meet my goals and be happy with how I was performing in races, training this tiny fraction of the time that um, other people were and uh, I met a guy in Canada who said man you got to write a book about this and so he's the guy that writes the Ford Eric column and so he convinced me to do that and and so the rest is history last year I woke up every morning at 6 a.m. And, and wrote for an hour and, and got it done. That's awesome and you know I, I read your book last week and I, I really like the approach you know you you talk a lot about using really high intensity and you do even some quite a bit of your training on a treadmill uh tell me a little bit about why you like to use the treadmill um or indoor workouts well and and that's this is you know this is why i get a lot of comments on this and and it's tough because i i certainly like training outside more than i like training inside but what i have found is that as i'm as i've been synthesizing down 
the intensity and trying to maximize intensity, I find two things good about the treadmill. One is that there are no distractions. When you get in in the gym and you know, you're on the treadmill, there are no excuses. And, and as you know, and you talk about in your book, the, the central governor, you know, when you're working hard, your mind comes up with an infinite number of excuses as to why you should back off a little bit um, and all of those things. So by working inside, in a, in a climate controlled environment without wind, without rain, without, you know, cold and temperature variation, you really uh, take away a lot of those distractions. And I found, at least personally, that I can consistently work closer to maximum intensity or approach that um, inside as opposed to outside. The other thing that I find is that, um, you know, inside, uh, when you have an absolute metric of, of assessing your performance, it's, it, it benefits. You talk about tracking your workouts and how important it is to be able to track your workouts. And I think you call it, I call it a baseline workout in mind, but you call it a benchmark. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's you know, really valuable. If you're trying to use high intensity, and, um, and, and for me, you know, when I go into the gym and I know last time I did this run, I did it at this pace and at this incline and managed it, right? Mm-hmm. So when I get into the gym again, I know that I can manage this performance. And so it doesn't give me any excuses. Um, and so I'm able to, to mentally kind of overcome that self-doubt talk and say, look, you just got to hurt last time. It's going to hurt this time. Let's get on with it. And, and using those benchmarks or those baseline workouts, um, I'm also able to see that, that increased performance. If last time I did it that, you know, a, a five and a half minute mile, this time I'm going to try, you know, 525 or something like that. Um, and, and you can see that progress over time. So those are the reasons I like working inside and specifically if I'm working at a minimum level of time. If I'm like right now I'm doing five minute workouts and I could not go outside and run for five minutes consistently and have the type of workouts I'm able to inside just because of those control aspects and you know the cold you, you know you get the burning in your lungs you can't push quite as hard and there's some physiological factors as well. Um, but you know the application to all this is outside. Like I go outside um, for my ventures, my big efforts, of course. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in just going and seeing how can I run 50 miles in, in 10 hours on a treadmill. That has no interest to me. Mm-hmm. So I always go outside. I always take this stuff outside. Um, yeah. When, when time's a factor, yeah. So. Well, you know, I like how you mentioned that on the treadmill, you know, running and ultra events, I think are really a mind game, a a big part of it. I mean, there is a lot of physiology, but there's also a huge component of, you know, training that central governor, that subconscious part of your mind, uh, giving yourself confidence that, yes, you can do this. And I think sometimes for me too, the treadmill helps me do that because I'll set it at a certain pace. And then I won't want to back off from that. And I'll just keep thinking I can hold on for a couple more minutes at this pace and something like that. So I think that I think that you've got something there with using the treadmill to try to train your subconscious to go a little bit harder or a little bit faster. Well, and, and one of my favorite, uh, oh, sorry, I was just going to mention one of the favorite workouts I have um, that I talk about in the book is what I call the, the no slow random program. And it's basically it's a half an hour treadmill run where I put it on a random uh, incline interval, and then I start out at, at a pace that I feel pretty good about. Um, and then when I start to get into the run and warmed up and, and feel kind of cocky, oh, this is going great, I, I never let myself slow down. So usually five minutes into the run, I'll say, I, I can go faster. So I'll key it up to you know nine, minute mile, or, sorry, nine miles an hour or something like that. And then 
as I hit hills, you know, some big hills later on in the program, you know, I don't let myself slow down. So then you're just pushing and you, and you get that in your head. I got to do it. I got to do it. I'm not going to slow down. And so that really motivates me to, to have a good workout. So you, you can use it. You know, people hate the treadmill, but it's a tool, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that you said something interesting earlier that right now you're only doing five minute workouts. Give our listeners an idea of what goes on during that five minutes and what kind of uh, goals can you hope to achieve with just doing five minutes at a time? Okay. Uh, so, um, the, the five minute workout, like the running workout I'm doing now is what I call a 30, 30. So it's a, it's a 30 second sprint. Um, and then a 30 second rest. And it's basically on the treadmill. It's a little different than some of the other equipment I use, but on a treadmill, it's done similar to a tabata on a treadmill where the 30 seconds rest, I'm on the rails of the machine. Um, and then the 30 seconds, uh, in, interval, you know, I've, match my speed really quick. So for me in a workout like that, the speed is limited to about 10 miles an hour only because I can't get my legs moving fast enough in, in the second that I have to match the speed. I've tried doing it at faster speeds, but I find it's really hard to go from zero to much faster than about 10 miles an hour. But then I will use an incline, um, and do five of those intervals. And so in five of those intervals, first couple usually feel all right. And then by the last one, you know, I'm just hanging on for dear life. And I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like my body's jelly. You know, I feel like like just the, the it's hard to describe. The blood is pounding in all of my body because you know running is such a such a whole body activity. When you get to that, um, you know th that when you reach that maximal intensity, it's it's like you'd imagine you know sprinting the last hundred meters in a race, right? Where you just get it, giving it everything, and you just feel you feel the blood pounding through your body. You feel heavy everywhere, and you're just pushing. Um, and so I I found that I can get to that point pretty easily in, in five minutes. Um, the challenge for me, um, is that repeating workouts like that, like I usually only do two quality workouts a week, similar to, to what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, repeating that same running quality workout. If I was going to try to do two of those five minute workouts, man, it would be very difficult because mentally it's so taxing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like you're saying, you've got to be motivated. And what I found like my, the schedule I'm doing right now is, I'm alternating between running and biking, say, or running and rowing um, with a similar style workout. Now, um, a big part of what I do, uh, and this is why I loved, your, I loved your book, by the way, just giving you a little plug there, but uh, is that you, you really hit on a lot of the things that I think are so important. And you talk about racing, racing your way to fitness or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the application of the way I'm able to use my minimalist training to, to, to approach really big events is the big events, man, they're, they're training too. So I may do, let's say three or four weeks where my workouts are only five or 10 minutes long. So I'm working out, you know, right now, half an hour a week or less, it's all high intensity stuff. But then at the end of those three or four weeks, I'm going out and I'm running, you know, 50 K or I'm doing a, um, you know, a, a big long swim or a, or a multi-sport thing where I'm, you know, biking over mountains and stuff. So, so I'm using, um, those, you know, and it's not all races. Sometimes it's trips or adventures or, you know, just big efforts that I kind of look at a map and figure things I want to do. Um, but I'm doing that regularly. And so I don't think that if all you do, you know, you're going to lose something. And, and a lot of it's mental mm -hmm. because I think that the, the high intensity stuff is really good at maintaining a level of fitness because I've already, I've already got a pretty good level of fitness doing this over years, you know, for five years or, or 10 years, actually high intensity training with regular doses of big efforts, right? You, 
you know, you can manage a pretty high level of fitness. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I'll be the first person to say that if I wanted to be, let's say, go run a 10K race and be competitive, right? Mm-hmm. I would have to, I would have to do more. Um, I look at it like you do with the 80-20 principle, uh, right? right? I'm happy. And I, I kind of talk in my book about the second iteration of that, which is the 64-4 principle, 64-4, right? So yep. I can get to 64%, and this is, you know, obviously just kind of a ballpark, but I can get to about two thirds of my fitness potential on 4% of the training time it would take me to get to 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, meaning I was training like a professional athlete with the, with the coach, no other job, uh, perfect nutrition, all that kind of stuff. Like my fitness potential, um, I can get to about two thirds of that, you know, training an hour a week or less. And that's really not bad, especially if I'm willing to devote some more time, I can get, you know, to, to 80%, um, which honestly, if you think about the recreational runner and the weekend warrior, which is 99.5% of the people who are involved in the fitness industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're at um, probably somewhere in there between two thirds and 80% of their potential because it's hard to, to be devoted in the way, you know, consistently to put your body through uh, those demands and have the, the power over your mind to consistently do those high quality workouts that professional athletes do. It's hard. So, you know, two thirds of your fitness potential is pretty darn good. You know, you can do an awful lot if you think about that's actually, you know, your potential as, as a human being, um, not, not given your current life circumstances. This is your potential, your physical potential and mental potential as a person to be an athlete. Um, so in that sense, man, maintaining that with high intensity work is, is, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. Now, you know, you mentioned before we started recording that um, you have you've got a family. You've got a, I think you said one or two kids, and so this way, yep. this approach to training is for me just a way to sort of enjoy life more, but still participate in the sport that I love. Um, what is it about you know these ultra events that keeps drawing you back? I mean, you mentioned that you could start racing 10k. Why not just drop down to a 10k? Is there something special about the ultra events that you enjoy? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, you know, I'll occasionally run a 10 K race as a, as a, as a testing thing to see how my fitness is and whatever. But for me, what, what I love, um, and what I'm going to continue doing is doing the races that the question is not, Hey, can you finish in the time you want to finish in? But the question is, can you finish? Mm-hmm. Right? So, so if I'm going to pay money for a race, and this is just my personal preference, usually I'm going to pay money for a race where, where that's the question. At least on some level, I get to ask, am I going to be able to dig deep enough? Am I going to be able to overcome those mental demons um, and, and, and have those conversations with my central governor, enter that debate, and come out um, basically the master of my physical body? And, and those are the questions that I'm fascinated with, you know? And so, so in that sense, I've probably got a little bit different interest than you because my, uh, cause I can do that on my fitness level mm-hmm. and I still want to do well, right? I don't want to just, cause I could sit on the couch all day and eat potato chips and, 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 and get out of shape and then still enter a race and ask that question. Um, but my question, you know, so, so for me, it's more, can I do this and do this well? Um, and I've, 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 my experience has, has been pretty positive. You know, I have had one or two DNFs, but, but largely, 
um, I'm able to, you know, I'm able to keep going. Um, and, and you know, so, so that, that again is, well, that's why ultra man, ultra is just, it's, I think about it as digging holes, you know, I get to dig this big, massive hole, psychological and physical hole. And I get to sit down there in that hole and, and, and see, you know, see what it looks like, see what, what, uh, where I go, you know, the deep, dark places I go and then pull myself out of it makes everything else seem great. Right. Yeah. After, uh, you do a big race and yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's something I, I feel like I get that even with a marathon, it might not be an ultra, but there's, there's times where, um, you know, I ran my first marathon and it just really humbled me and it's, there's just something almost spiritual about it that it, that it's it you really do have to dig deep as the events get longer. I I, I admit that it, say even running a fast 5k or 10k can be really difficult, but there's something special I feel like that comes with when you start to go longer. I feel like even like the runner's high has even uh, gotten greater, but just something about it being out there uh, and just running, see, seeing if you can complete the distance is pretty cool. Well, and, and it's because a lot of training is at the shorter distances, right? So, so like when you're running, um, you know, three, one miles flat out with 30 second rest, you're getting the same challenge that you get when you run a 5k essentially, right? It, it's a physiological challenge is how much can I get out of this machine? But, but you're absolutely right. You, you don't really start t- having those conversations with the central governor until you get to longer distances, right? Mm-hmm. Because because now, now it's this whole give and take game, and and your mind's telling you you can't keep going, and you you, fe- you start to feel that fatigue and all of those things. Um, yeah, so I I always I always look at it. It's basically between that 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 two and three hour mark, right? When you start to, when when you're pushing hard, and you're pushing beyond that point, you know that's the point where where you no, you're no longer operating on. You know you burn through your muscle glycogen, so now you're starting to call up other fuel sources. And so there's all this physiological stuff as well as the mental stuff that really starts adding, adding up when you get to races that long that are, you know, that is it, so fun. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your book is your book. The subtitle says, uh, on a few hours a week or less, let's say you had, um, you were at a good place in your life. You, you had a, a, a consistent schedule. What would you recommend for someone, say, listening to this, who's running maybe half marathon, marathon, or 50K, and and they're, they've basically taken the, the traditional approach, maybe they're doing 30 to 40 miles a week, and they've kind of plateaued, and they're looking for something different. What would you say to that type of person? How could they change their training to sort of uh, follow in line with your book that could really help them see improvements? Well... Or maybe, you know, maybe I, not I, even uh, see improvements. Um, maybe that's the wrong question. But maybe see because they could see improvements, but maybe train in a different way to get more from less. I guess. Right. You know, I think that um, one of the things um, is is a uh, is a focus on higher intensity work. I mean, you talk about how you, the only way you're going to get faster is to run faster, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. If, if you can run for hours at a, you know, at a 10 minute mile pace, you're going to struggle to run one mile at a six minute mile pace, right? So mm-hmm. you train to get faster. And so I always think about it in terms of figure out, you know, mentally, and I often think that it, it's a mental limit, figure out mentally how much high intensity work you can maintain or sustain, you know, on, on a consistent basis. And, and, you know, I think a lot of what you do is also high intensity work. Tempo runs, you know, a, a three mile flat out race pace run. I consider that high intensity work. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, that's kind of the upper limit of high intensity work, but figure 
how much of that you can uh, you can do on a weekly basis, and then make that your focus. So cut everything else out. So so forget the long runs because honestly, if you've been training traditionally, you've been doing long runs, right? Um, yeah. And so, in terms of the 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 Pareto principle, I think that you know that. Um, if 80% of your fitness comes from 20%, then you cut out everything but the 20%. And then you only add back in, you know, once, once you get all of that 20%, you know, so the long runs are not part of that 20%. You're not getting a lot of fitness from those long runs. Maybe you're getting mental confidence and things like that. Um, but you know, the other thing that I I talk about a lot is is the mental side of things, right? And, uh, there's an interesting Catch one too. Sometimes I think that the traditional folks or folks that train traditionally, especially people that are coming into to marathon running for the first time, you know, they look at this program online and they'll say, "All right, if I can follow this program, then it's going to prepare me for the marathon." And in some sense, it does, right? Obviously, there's these physiological adaptations. You're getting durability of tissue and all that kind of stuff. But mentally, to run a good marathon, um, you're going to suffer. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. You're going to suffer. Yeah. And, and so for a lot of first timers, you follow a program and, and, it, and it even extends itself even more to bigger races because the marathon can almost train for if, if you're looking at a hundred mile run, you know, or a 50 mile run, then you can't adequately run long runs enough to make that feel easy. And it's not good, right? Your body will break down. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't train, you know, using super compensation so that 50 miles is easy. Right. You just can't right. do it. Right. Um, and, and so by, by following program that is supposed to prepare you for this, when you get in the event um, and then you hit that first low where you feel, you know, horrible and you're not really prepared to, to deal with that. And a lot of people, you know, I've seen loads of just, especially in adventure racing, which is even longer stuff. Um, you know, you get these triathletes that are just top triathletes at the half Ironman distance and stuff. And they're getting in these situations where, um, they're broken and they're not used to that. Um, and they, they don't know how to, to overcome that. Um, and so there's a benefit to training for a race and getting fast, you know, um, and focusing on speed and you get through the first 15 miles way faster than you thought you were going to, because you've, you've trained really fast, um, runs, you know, up to 10 miles or whatever. And now you're thinking, Holy crap, I'm doing really well. And now all I've got to get through is this 11, this next 11 miles, but you, you have, you don't have this false sense of confidence, right? You know, it's going to hurt. You expect, you're like, well, I've only ever run 10 miles. Now this is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of going into, into it mentally with a little bit different of a mindset, you know? And once you get that first marathon, for me, it's this progression, right? If you want to get, if you want to use high intensity, low volume stuff to move towards bigger events, you just do the bigger events. You know, you start with a half marathon, then you do a marathon and then, you know, okay, I'm tough enough to get through this and you don't worry so much initially as you're building up in, in the duration of these, events. you don't worry so much about, um, how fast you're doing them. Right. You think, all right, my goal is, is to, is to take the speed I've developed and, and the fitness I've developed. Um, and then I'm going to, to I'm going to do as much with it as I can. And, and then when I get to the end, I, I know that there's going to be this point where I'm suffering and I'm hitting the wall and I'm just going to keep going. And you build that confidence that way. I mean, for me, it's all about uh, um, not having an expectation that you can train for these things. Phys- you know, and the focus is on training is always physical. You, know, you, you get online and you get a, a program for a 50-mile run. It's telling you how far to run and that's it, right? How many days a week, how far, what your mileage is and all that kind of stuff. And, 
And the fact of the matter is that on a 50 mile run or even on a marathon, you know, there's like the, the famous quote, you know, not running is, is 10% physical, the rest is mental or something like that. And, and that's in an, an, an focusing on a training program, all we're focusing on is the physical. And that matters so much less than all this other stuff. And yet we put all our efforts and time and energy into feeling like we're preparing ourselves physically. And then we never really do. You know, the big the runs, you always are going to be breaking down your body. You're always going to be having to face that thing where you're telling your body, you know, I know that, you, that you, the, the tissues are broken down. I know you have no more energy. I know that, uh, that you want to stop but I'm not going to let you, you know, your knees hurt, your ankles hurt. You feel like you've got it band issues, whatever's going on. Um, all those, those self-limiting things and, and pushing through that is, is something that is very hard to approach in training. And you also shouldn't approach it in training. You're, you got injured a lot when you were training high volume, right? right Trying yeah. to train for a long run by running long is only exacerbating the damages that invariably come from a repetitive type motion over a, over a long term, right? I mean, I don't right. think I ever run a, a, a hard marathon without feeling, you know, flare-ups in my Achilles and having my knees sore, my ankles. And, and, and so those, that sort of tissue damage is normal, right? Mm-hmm. And if you, try, if you try to replicate in that training, doing 60 miles, you know, 80 mile weeks, man, you just, you're, 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 you're not actually serving the purpose of being healthy, right? Right. Um, right. So I always think you got to show up at the start line healthy. And in order to do that, make sure that you're training, make sure that you never get injured in training. And, and you have a really good approach. It's more of a, um, you know, listen to your body approach, but it, it, it's very, it's, it's crucial, right? If you should not be training through injury, you know, and so many people do, right? So never train through injury yep. and, um, and, and listen to your body and don't worry about the numbers, right? So um, in my approach, uh, you know, I found real success using really sh- short high intensity stuff because I found that I'm, I'm hardly ever injured, especially from my training. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally I will come back from a 50 mile run on low training and I will take two weeks off because my knees will be swollen. You know, I'll have all these issues that, that are self-limiting. It's, but it's good to do that, right? I mean, you really should be doing that anyway. Um, so, you know, my, my advice, I guess, getting back to the question is, is just to, just to reassess, you know, and I would recommend people read your book as well, especially if they're specifically focused on running, you know, it, it's, um, it's great. And there's a lot of similarities between what you say and what I say. Um, and, you know, and again, the, the, the just high intensity stuff, it's not for everybody. And I think that the reason why more people don't do high intensity stuff is because it's hard, right? <laughs> it hurts. Right. I mean, it, it, it really does. But I think that if you can develop a penchant for that, and it doesn't even have to be max effort, right? You know, a lot of people talk about tempo runs and finding paces so that it's a little more digestible mentally than just going flat out. Um, but, but approaching a higher intensity, you know, approaching something that feels uncomfortable and spending as much time feeling uncomfortable as you can is going to give you fitness gains, you know, across the board, whether it's in running or biking or swimming or whatever it is, um, the more time you can spend, um, the more minutes of your workout are done at higher intensity, the fewer, you know, minutes total you have to work out to achieve the same level of fitness, you know, and that, that's, that's pretty hard to dispute. So, so. Right, right. You know, I, I, I think that, um, 
what you said there is that it, it is it is really tough to do high intensity workouts, and that's one of the reasons that I've had to limit myself to do only one or two per week. Because sometimes I'll think, man, I'm ready for another one, but no. If if you if you try to do three or four of these a week, I found that it just ends up my performance actually after a few weeks goes down. Whereas if I if I approach each workout with fresh legs, I stay injury free and I gradually improve little by little. And uh, like um, I noticed that sometimes, say if I'm uh, haven't been running a lot and I start uh, getting back into the high intensity stuff, um, like I had I was injured this winter with a water uh, from water skiing, and as I was getting back into it, my tempo or time trials would get faster by like. 30 seconds from week to week. And I don't think that was my physiology. That was just my brain telling me, giving myself confidence that I was doing it. So I think that part where you mentioned that a lot of this is mental is really right on. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that it's, it's your brain letting you get closer to that edge. Um, you know, because when you're, when you're at your actual physical edge, you don't improve 30 seconds a week. You know, you, 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 you're basically, you might improve two seconds one week and then you're back to where you were, you know, mm -hmm. like when you're really um, at the point where you're not getting much faster. And, and there are actual limits, right? I mean, our, our physiology and our, and our biology and genetics do create some sort of a, you know, a limit. That's obvious. It's not, you know, humans, it's not like we can go out and run a two minute mile, you know, right. physiologically, our muscles cannot move our joints fast enough to cover that this right? so um you know there there are, are actual limits but i think that the biggest uh, you know the limiter is is for many people um is is mental i mean you you will absolutely improve fitness and 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 um develop uh, more muscle fibers and and a better ability to utilize muscle fibers but again that has ties to, to the brain as well right it is how many muscle fibers bring lets you use like you talk about uh, with the fatigue you know um so yeah exactly well andy you know we've been talking for about 30 minutes and do you have any more time i'd like to get into uh, a few more questions if you have time yep yep okay you know um i'm interested in we have people who are bloggers and authors and other people who listen to this show and i'm interested in just your approach to writing and, and how you went about writing this book what was your process like for getting it on Amazon and, and how did that go for you? Well, uh, the writing was the easy part. I had actually been blogging for a little bit, a uh, little while, um, on a blog three hours a week. Um, and I, so I, I kind of had, I've been thinking about this, you know, and, and crafting articles and I, I'd, I'd written a few articles for, for various spots um, or various uh, online magazines. And so a lot of it was just kind of putting all my thoughts into an outline and structuring it in a way that I thought made sense. Um, and the writing was fun. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's sitting down and for the most part it was fun. Towards the end, it always gets a little bit harder because you're trying to polish everything and, and bring it together. Um, it, it was definitely, it was definitely a challenge. I mean, it's the first time I've done anything like this um, and, and getting it, into a format that's good for for Amazon, for example, was difficult because I had not done the research to figure out how to start correctly. So I was writing it in a format that was then hard to convert. Mm. Um, so I did I did have a, I did hire somebody to kind of put it into the right form um, to convert it to you know that Kindle would use and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you know that that really wasn't something I, I did. Um, 
you know, the, the, the most challenging part, of course, is, um, you know, that I struggle a lot with is, is getting the ideas out there, mm-hmm. right? It's the promotion. And because I'm, I'm not really too, too focused on self-promotion. You know, I've got a lot of other stuff going on where I want to put my energies. Um, but there is definitely that, that thing where you've written this book, you think it has value to people. Um, you know, you're not interested in pushing it, but you figure the more people know about it, the more people it can, uh, it can inspire or that they're going to make use of some of the information you have that that's unique or the approach that you have. Um, yeah. So, so that's where I've over the last year, cause I think my book was released last July. Um, you know, I've struggled with that, you know, alternately thinking, Oh man, I really got focused on getting on social media and trying to do this, but I'm honestly, I'm not good at it. Mm. <laughs> right. So, um, um, it's, it's a, been a hard thing for me and, and, but I've, I've gotten good feedback from the people who have read the book. Um, and I've gotten, uh, you know, a couple, uh, a couple people that have, uh, put it on their site, you know, gear junkie in Minneapolis, uh, which is not too far from you. Right. Yeah. Yep. I know that the editor of the, that, and he, you know, he gave me a, a good review in there. And so that got, got a lot of people talking about it and just sharing it. Uh, like I say, I've got a brother, um, twin brother that's on a professional adventure racing team. He's kind of shared it with his circles and, and, um, you know, done, done some stuff with it himself for his training. Um, but you know, the writing again was easy. Uh, it's the promotion, right? It takes a lot of time and it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a definite, definitely a unique skill set with all the different avenues. You know, you can read as many articles as you want about how to promote your ebook, but you know, it's, it's a lot of luck. I think. Yeah. You know, one of the, the biggest challenges I found with writing my book was organize, not so much the writing, but organizing my thoughts. And I used, um, I eventually found a program that allowed me to sort of outline as I was writing. Uh, it's called Multi Markdown Composer. Did you write in any um, okay. program that allowed you to, to organize your thoughts or anything like that? Did you use Microsoft Word or Google Docs or I, what? I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I've used um, Google Drive, I think, is initially how I was using it because I was sharing it with, with the guy that encouraged me who's doing some editing. But, um, no, that that was the challenging part for me. Is I'd read these, I'd have these pieces that I'd written that I thought were good um, from my blog, and I'd think, where is this going to fit? And so I had a lot of cutting and pasting. And you know, the outlining was pretty easy initially. I decided, all right, I'm going to start with you know, about me, and then physical, mental. And so once I got that outlined, but then what to include in those sections, how much to to put in there. Um, I would have liked to to have have some assistance like that because certainly organizing organizing it. Um, was tough and, and and because it's a labor of love right um there's a lot of stuff that i thought oh man this is a good piece i've written i want to include this but then some stuff didn't fit right so there's anecdotal stuff or other stuff that just didn't fit and and making those decisions is sometimes challenging um and then figuring out what is too much information uh you know it it, it it's it's challenging but it, it's a first it's a first book and so i tried to give myself a little bit of a um um leeway in terms of not being being too hard on myself and saying, you know, it, it's a good effort. And I figured that if you don't start somewhere, if you're not willing to learn from the pro- process, you know, it's not going to be perfect first time. So it, for me, it really was about learning from the process. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to give myself a deadline. That helped me a lot. I said, all right, I missed the deadline, by the way. I didn't, I didn't, you know, the deadline was May and it didn't get happening until July, but, um, okay. but still it was important to you know, have a deadline. Um, so this is what we're going to have it done by to encourage me to get the work done. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good process, but definitely uh, a lot of work, um, you know. So yeah, 
Yeah. Well, Andy, I sure appreciate you coming on the call and uh, sharing everything about your book and the, the differences and the similarities between our two approaches. And it's just been great talking with you. So thanks so much for coming on the call. Uh, thanks for thanks for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. Um, I've got lots of questions for you at some point. So, um, yeah. And and again, I thought uh, um, it, it was good. You know, sometimes I just, just like to reach out to people who I because honestly, there's not a lot of people um, out there, at least in my experience. It's more now since there's a lot more science behind high intensity training, but it's not a lot of people who are who are doing and succeeding um, at using real minimalist approaches because uh, there's so much so much literature and uh, you know most of the programs are just really advocating the opposite um, that it, it was it was really cool first of all to find out that, that you'd publish that book and then also to note how many of my own thoughts um, and motivation was real similar to yours so I'm really glad we connected yeah and where's the best place that people can go to find out about uh, more about you um, Ultra Mental Book. Okay. UltraMentalBook.com. Website, so just UltraMentalBook at Gmail. Uh, yeah, UltraMentalBook.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. And so that that's got that's got a, a you can contact me through that and uh, and find out about the book and there's a link to my blog on there. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. 